Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Talking Locks podcast with Lockitude. This is the Everyday People with Locks series and I'm your host, Adi Balogun. This episode is produced by Savage Media. Today, we will be discussing locks and health. Our guest is Dr. Tony Oshinowo, a phenomenal woman making waves in the technology industry, a sickle cell warrior, and of course, a lockhead. Without further ado, let's get right into it. Hi, Toyin. Welcome to the second episode of um, Everyday People with Locks. I'm very happy that you've agreed to do this. And today we're going to be talking about locks and health. Um, can you please go ahead and tell us your name and a little bit about yourself uh, just to kick off this episode? Uh, so my name is Toy Oshino. Um, I have a doctorate in engineering from Warwick University. I live in Lagos. Um, I work for Kuda Bank and I have locks. Um, I've had them for, I think it's 11, 12 years. I can never remember the actual day, to be fair. And I live with sickle cell, so sickle beta thalassemia. Okay, all right, thank you. Um, I think the very first question I always like to ask is, why did you even choose to lock your hair in the first place? I've always had a love-hate relationship with my hair. Um, um, At the time, I was living in the UK full-time. And I had transitioned from um, relaxed hair um, to an afro. And I'd had that for seven years. But it was always really stressful every month, taking the hair out, washing it, and putting it back in two-strand twists. I mean, for seven years, I pretty much rocked two-strand twists. And I, had a, I have a best friend. Her name is Stacy. She's from Jamaican descent, and we were always talking about, you know, the fact that locks are beautiful, oh, I'm not sure whether I want to take the plunge type thing, and um, we went to a black hair beauty show in London, and they had styled, like, locks and stuff and I just kept on staring at these people I just thought this hair is just beautiful I mean and I'm tired of looking like white people with straight hair or trying to make my hair assimilate to what everybody else wants and so I kind of was toying around for the with the idea of locking for roughly about a year before I decided, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to do it. And if I don't like it, I can always take it out like three, four months or just cut all my hair off because mm-hmm. um, the hair was that damaged because I used to press it with a flat iron um, at one point. Um, so, yeah, I just decided to do it. And um, weirdly enough, my friend Stacy, she actually got her hair done a month before I did. Does she still have so, love? Yeah. She still has her locks. Oh, she that's still awesome. Has her locks. That is awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, since this conversation is very much health related, I think it's um important and also emotional. So again, I really thank you for agreeing to do this. 
for most of us in Nigeria, we're very familiar with what, you know, SS means. Um, you okay. kind of already from growing up knew that if you have both parents and both of them have the S genotype, you know, it's possible for them to have a child that is sickle cell. Um, so yeah. this is something that's very familiar. But for people who, who may not know what it is, can you just give us like a, you know, a brief um, okay. explanation of what this condition means? Um, so sickle cell anemia is a hereditary um, blood disorder. Um, in essence, what happens is the red blood cells of somebody who lives with sickle um, from time to time, they change shape from your typical round donut shape to um, the shape of a sickle. And the red blood cells become quite sticky. So what tends to happen with that is when, when, a, when somebody living with sickle cell is going through a crisis, that's what we call these episodes, the red blood cells have sickled and they, they get stuck in blood vessels. Mm. Now, the human body is, is a wonderful machine. Um, what it does is, is that if it recognizes that there's something wrong, i.e. there's a blockage somewhere caused by these sickle cells, um, the way it responds is to create pain. So people living with sickle have bouts of pain, which usually um, can only be resolved by drinking a crap load of water um, to try and flush out the system, but also they need pain medication. Um, so, and we're not talking the paracetamol of the world. We're talking tramadol, morphine, um, dilated, like things like that. So it's, it's a chronic condition. There right now is, well, they're in the early stages of finding a cure. I think it's still a situation where we have to wait and see. Mm -hmm. um, going back into the genetics of it, so sickle cell um, usually is a combination, it comes from a combination of the parents. Um, so for a normal person who doesn't have any sickle cell, they're typically known as AA. Uh, mm -hmm. For somebody who's carrying the sickle cell trait, um, they can be AS. And then for somebody who has full-blown sickle cell, they're SS. But even within that, there are different types of sickle cell. So you have SS, which is the one that's more common in Africa, and a lot of Africans are, are well-versed with those individuals. You have SC, which is more common in the Caribbean, but you have variants, you have people living with SC, um, sickle type in Africa as well. Mm -hmm. And then there's my type, which is sickle beta thalassemia, which is actually a mixture of sickle cell and beta thalassemia, which is another condition. Um, now, that, that variant is more common in Saudi Arabia, um, the Middle East, but and not that common in West Africa. Um, which is why when my parents got together, they didn't know what I was until they traveled to the United Kingdom and they kind of figured out what the problem was. Mm -hmm. um, 
So yeah, those are the three main types. Right. So um, yeah, before we did this, uh, before we decided to start recording, I kind of, you know, know you personally and for I've known you for a few years now, but I kind of realized that, you know what, let me Google you and find out what is out there. So a few things that I'm already familiar with, but it got me wondering. I do know you write a blog that addresses um, the sickle cell condition, but you named this blog Dr. Foxy Cleo. And I'm yes. just curious as to, I know you're a doctor, you know, albeit um, yeah. um, I'm not a medical doctor. So I do know that that's where doctor comes from, but it's interesting. Why Foxy Cleo? So Foxy Cleo came out um, during my uni days when I had my afro. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, I used to go out clubbing with this massive, this massive afro. Um, and you know that my hair is full. So it was, it was ridiculous. It was, and I would go out clubbing with my Afro and then um, there was a t-shirt party that we were invited to when they were like, okay, you need to put a nickname on your shirt. And this was around the time of Austin Powers and Beyonce's character, um, Sexy Cleopatra. Um, and so somebody was just like, Foxy Cleo. And I was like, okay, that kind of works. So that was my nickname. And then when I got my doctorate, it was like, okay, well, let's just apply the title to it. So that's where Dr. Okay, um, it's been interesting. I haven't read much on the blog, but I do know that I did take a quick glance and I feel like over the years, you've kind of put out your personal experience and it kind of helps people understand what the condition is and how you cope and hopefully help somebody out there cope with it. I really related to that because Locketed in itself started as a blog as well. So I do understand that writing can be therapeutic and um, sometimes you just don't know who you're reaching when you do that. So um, yes, with your hair. So it seems like I was hoping to hear that, you know, maybe uh, there was, um, if it was intentional from a health perspective, why you chose to be, why you chose to lock your hair, but it seemed like that decision came from just loving locks for what they they are and like recognizing it and deciding to have them. So my question yeah. is, now that you've had locks for 11, 12 years, does it play any part or does it have any effect on your condition? So when you do something, when you start something, um, and it might not necessarily be your intent, but when you start something and then you then experience the advantages of it, you then kind of in yourself decide, you know what, this was the best decision that I made. And you know what, it helps me in so and so and so way. So let me try and break that down. So there was a time where I was in the hospital pretty much every month. This was in the United Kingdom. And for any black girl, right, when you go into a hospital and you are stuck there for a week, two weeks, maybe even a month, at the time that you're sick, you don't really care about your appearance or how matted your hair 
have gotten um, because obviously you're sick. But then when you then start feeling better, you then have to start, you then start seeing what is wrong. Oh, I've not moisturized my legs in so and so days. Mm-hmm. Now it just basically looks like as if, you know, there's snow on my feet. Oh, I haven't um, done my nails. Oh, I have not combed my hair. Babe, there were times where after a hospital visit, you're thinking about putting yourself together and you're just thinking, oh my God, now I have to wash this hair and I have to retwist. Mm-hmm. Or I could be unfortunate to have a crisis when my hair has been undone. And then a week later, I'm having to then deal with unmatting my hair, washing it, conditioning it, and retwisting. The best thing about locks, if it's untidy, that's the style. <laughs> if it hasn't been washed in two months, that's the style. Like, it's, 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 it's the, and I always find it fascinating when people tell you that they think locks are high maintenance. It's not high maintenance. Like, if I decide that I don't even want to twist my hair for six months, I can actually do that. Mm-hmm. It's just my OCD would not allow. But like, the fact that I don't have to worry about my crowning glory and know that my crowning glory is still going to be fabulous, regardless of how bad I feel. It actually does help. Mm-hmm. It really does. Um, there are a lot of things that I do, because sometimes when you are hooked, you're hooked up to medication, right? You do some weird stuff. I remember my boyfriend telling me that I was sleeping with my legs in the air. And at one point, he was afraid to touch me because he didn't know whether he would startle me or whatever. But one of the things that he noticed that I do is I comb my hand through my hair when I'm asleep. Mm-hmm. And I take that back to when I, I was a child. There's this thing I used to do where the in-between of my fingers, I used to love the way... Um, linen would feel in between. It was kind of like a comfort mechanism when I was ill. Because when you're younger, you can't necessarily communicate that you're in pain. So sometimes I wouldn't get my pain medicine on time because either the doctors or the nurses couldn't decide for what I was in pain. It was that my my childhood, for lack of a better term, it was somewhat traumatic. But anyways, um, so that has now transitioned into me combing my hair when I'm like not even conscious on payments to the point where I apparently I was slapping him (laughs) 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 in the middle of the night and it was just like okay I'm just gonna leave her be let's give her some more space um so it is kind of like a comfort blanket like, I, I'll touch it, I'll run my fingers through my hair, you know. It, I, it just gives me a sense of comfort. I don't think I'll ever cut them off totally. Maybe I'll cut them short, because now they're getting ridiculously long. But, like, I don't mm. think I'll ever cut off my locks. 
All right, that's good to hear. I think I'm personally in between on that decision. I've had mine for, I think, 11 years now. Yeah, 11 yeah. years. And um, I keep telling myself I'll cut it, but it's not happened yet. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, so you did say that your hair basically provides some comfort in the time of crisis. And um, yeah. you spoke a little bit about what it's like to maintain it and how, you know, for every time you have don't have to do your hair, it is the style. And I completely relate to that because unlike you, I personally am the opposite. I really love my hair when it's rough. And it's it, it's unfortunate that I kind of have to wash it and retwist it so that it doesn't get all matted mm -hmm. up. But I know you yeah. like to get your hair done more frequently. So in terms of maintenance and um just saying i also listened to a recent um well not so recent it's been a few years i just recently listened to the interview you did with wana wana and anybody who would like to know more about what um the sickle cell condition feels like i encourage you to listen to that it was a very good interview but you spoke about the expense related to you know having a chronic illness and um I do know that it is nothing comparable to the amount of money you need to maintain your hair, but it would be interesting mm. to see what your opinion is on, do you think your hair is one last thing you even have to worry about financially um, compared to other financial bills that you have? So I'm always fascinated by people who spend 300,000 naira on a week or a week. Think of a Christmas. The the fascination was two streets. One street, one street hair. I saw a lot of... And it took me forever to actually understand what the heck that was. You know? So, more recently, I've had to start blood transfusions, right? In Nigeria. And when you are spending... 500,000 every quarter on a blood transfusion just to survive. You start thinking about your life and, and, and you start thinking, so am I then going to find 300,000 naira to buy a weave for a week? That just doesn't make sense to me at all. I mean, I'm not going to expose your prices for fucking time, <laughs> but let me just safely say
and I vowed never to do that again. Um, because my hair is really long and it's very thick and it's very heavy. And so for me, it's almost like a spa day whenever I come and get my hair done at Longitude. To be honest, it's one of the... So when you have a chronic illness, one of the things that you have to learn to do is self-love. Because the, the one of the key things that we tend to do as human beings is that we're very harsh on ourselves. And if there is something that makes us different from everyone else, for some weird reason, us as human beings then become even more critical of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I do is I, I, and that's part of the reason why I get my hair done every month. It's like, uh, it's like therapy. It's like, it's a spa day for me. I'm going to pamper myself mm-hmm. at a highly affordable price, you know? <laughs> and afterwards I leave, my hair smells good. I can feel like, you know, the wind on my mm-hmm. scalp and like all is well with the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that I'm able to self-love myself, um, have a little bit of a spa day, have my head massaged, you know, at a reasonable cost, I'm sitting here just smiling um, and and well we try and I think it is very important that we we are happy to maintain the quality of service that we we, we provide and um, this actually just came to mind because I said this um, podcast generally on a wimp in January and just before so I was only going to do seven for the seven days that we were closed and I was going to see how it went. And now we've, you know, kind of started the second season. And just before I I published, um, or before I recorded the seventh one from the first season, I got a call from a customer who had introduced um, a lady called Helmi to us. And we had been doing her hair for a while. I didn't even know that she had um, sickle cell, but she passed, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, just at the end of December and um, Obi called me to tell me how what you just said that Lockheed was one of the places that Helen used to look forward to come to because it was like her time out it was a time where she felt normal and she interacted and so that last episode was dedicated to her and I completely even did not relate it to this conversation we're having but you just saying that reminds me that you know it's a service that we provide and for some people it's just more than a service and you're giving us a reason yep. to continue to be in business um so that warms my heart okay yep. so before we start to get too emotional let's talk about <laughs> let's try and talk about this from uh, i know this is really about health but i always feel that or with this series when i'm talking to everyday people that have blogs i just try to infuse some other parts of life into the discussion you know that kind of take, right. takes away from the main topic um you did mention that there was some time that you didn't have work i know you're female a lot of people don't understand our hair as african women because we do all sorts of things to it and i think that you are um from what you've said so far it appears that work finding work your health has more leaning on whether you get it or not but have you ever been in any yeah. situation where you are perceived different because of your hair and they feel like, oh, you can't, you, you did mention in one of them interview that you worked in some banks 
But did anybody look at you and say, hey, you have to get rid of that hair for you to walk at a bank? It's not our, it's against our code of conduct or anything like that. So, this is where I feel in a lot of ways we're very backwards in Africa. Um, during my interview at a bank, um, the comment was made, I seem bohemian. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, you, you know when you're talking to somebody, right? And you don't really, you hear it, but you don't really understand what's being said until maybe like a day after. And then you're like, what the heck did that guy just say to me? Type thing, you know? Um, so in the interview, right, the, uh, the lady that was also interviewing me was a panel of like five people or something ridiculous. She then jumps in and is like, no, 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 no. She's not bohemian. She doesn't look bohemian. And the guy then pipes up again. And he's like, yeah, well, she seems fairly unstructured. I mean, based on her CV and, you know, her appearance. And I, I looked at this guy and I was like, okay. And he's like, would you be able to work in a structured environment? And I think because I had the mentality of, I really don't want to work here, but I need money. I basically went, you would be frustrated anywhere, be it a company with structure or no structure. It's about your reaction to it. So I don't really see how me being bohemian or unstructured has any issue. And the guy was silent and the women were silent too. And I thought, you know what? These people are not going to want to give me a job, so screw it. Mm -hmm. Let me leave. And um, I got an offer letter, I think, was it less than 24 hours after that interview. Now, when I actually joined the bank, it was hilarious to me because I would have loads of women from different departments come and ask me about my hair, ask me if it was worn, ask me if, you know, um, was it real? Was it my own hair? I think I'd had my hair done for like five years or something like that. And they asked me some questions or whatever. And the head of my department one day, I think she was trying to, she was trying to befriend me. But my problem is that if you're trying to befriend somebody and you're in charge of that person, it's not genuine. So you calling me to your office to sit down and have a conversation with you. Mm -hmm. I'm not really seeing the genuity in that. So um, she then goes, you know that um, I have to give special permission for um, your hair. I was like, what? Okay. I was like, yes, but you know, I had to make sure that I got special permission because, you know, typically in the, in the rules, you're not allowed to have locks. And I'm like, okay, you want a medal? Like, <laughs> my philosophy with employers that don't want to hire people who have locks is the person with locks doesn't want to work there. If you can't see the person for what they're actually contributing towards your organization is, and you're hung up on their appearance, and frankly, you're focusing on the wrong things. Um, the 
problem with Nigeria um, is obviously everybody's looking for a job. So it's a personal, it's a personal decision. I do know that I interviewed with another girl who had locks, but she wanted to get the job so badly that she cut them off the day before the interview. Mm. Um, so people are entitled to make those choices. I mm -hmm. think for me, it's somewhat easier for me to be blase because I had the doctorate. And one thing I realized, once you have a doctor in front of your name, people will bow down for you anyhow. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I better um, go and get a doctorate. <laughs> man, don't do it all. You will so guard for a while. But, um, I think having the doctorate also gave me a bit more confidence in myself because the whole thought process of getting a doctorate is you decide a hypothesis and you prove it and disprove it. And you pretty much, I mean, you get help from people, but you pretty much do that on your own. Mm -hmm. So once you get to a point in your life where you have achieved something of that nature, you know that nothing is impossible. You can move forward and you have a lot more self-confidence in certain areas. Not all, but in certain areas. So, yeah, I just didn't care. Right. I said this in the last episode that we I recorded um, when I was talking about with Chinedum about locks and the corporate world. I personally feel that um, the ideologies we have are the leftover effect of colonialism. And in Nigeria, you hardly see any white people walking around. So I don't even understand why we have these rules that stop people from expressing themselves in their genuine way. It is the most ridiculous thing to have an African, if, for, for it to be okay for an African woman in Africa to wear Indian hair but not wear her own hair. It doesn't make any sense. And I do hope that we, what we're doing, somebody out there picks it up and um, people in human resources and all of this uh, multinational and corporate industries begin to realize that you can't keep hiding who you are. There is nothing wrong with kinky hair. There's nothing wrong with locked hair. Yeah. It's one thing to demand that we keep our hair clean and neat and, you know, make sure that our physical appearance um, is acceptable and not just saying, putting in a book that you can't wear your hair the way you were born. Makes no sense at it's all. Ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. So um, since we kind of debated off topic a little bit, I might as well just ask. Um, I can imagine that with somebody with for somebody with a chronic um, condition, um, relationships are difficult. But do you feel that your hair even makes that situation any more difficult, or is it more positive, and people just kind of get gravitated towards you because you have locked hair and you look, for lack of a better description, and according to your last interview, bohemian. <laughs> um. Let me see. So I remember when I had my locks for roughly four or five years. I think this all ties into when I moved back to Nigeria. But like, um, what even happened? I had um, a friend come to the house. It's the first time that she had seen me with locks. And she kept on asking me, so what happens if your husband now tells you that you should cut your locks? And I looked at her like as if she actually was possessed. Because for me, it's like, I've had looks for roughly five, six years now. 
if you didn't know I had locks and I wanted to keep my locks, then don't get with me. If you think that you can wake up one morning and tell me to cut my locks and it's not my personal decision, leave me alone. I, I don't need you. Um, having a chronic illness, one of the things that you pretty much learn how to do very early is be selfish because at the end of the day, when you're having a crisis and you, the reasons why you had a crisis because you decided to put yourself in a situation that was stupid, and I've done that several times, the only person who's going to go through that pain is you. Um, everybody else can sympathize, everybody else can cry into the hospital or whatever, but the only person that's dealing with that pain is you. So you learn to be selfish. You learn to make choices that benefit you. And then with time when you're in a relationship, you learn to lose control. Because that's the other thing. You, you need to have a sense of control of yourself. So when you're in a relationship with somebody who's worth it, you learn to let go of the reins a little and let them in. But I've never had a situation where somebody has said, they don't want to date me because I have locks. In fact, it's been the opposite. Um, I did have somebody tell me that the fact that I have locks means that I have a certain character type, which is not, I wouldn't say normal, but it, it, it's unique. Mm -hmm. And so he found that attractive. Um, but uh, if, you don't, if you don't want to get a woman that has locks, then don't meet her when she has locks and then ask her to <laughs> want it. It just doesn't make sense. Maybe it doesn't. Um, yeah. I completely understand that and um, I know that I did have an ex where his mother kind of told me that my hair was not befitting of somebody of my caliber but it was such yeah. a contradiction because um, I own a business where I help other people join the madness <laughs> you know and like so I had to kind of start to defend myself to say hey you know I've done some pretty fantastic things with locked hair and that's not because my hair is locked, but because of who I am. So you need to start to see people for who they are and not their physical appearances. You can't judge a book by its cover. And um, this cover is actually inherently African. So why are we even judging ourselves by locked hair? Okay, um, so just moving on a little bit. I did ask um, the last person um, what if there were any inconveniences about your hair and it was interesting that you had a lot of interesting things to tell me which I wasn't expecting so in terms of you've spoken that there's a lot of benefit that your hair brings you but at this point do you say there's any inconvenience towards having locked hair are there times where you're like you know what I would rather just not even have this hair in the first place so that incident that I mentioned about me spending two hours washing my hair, <laughs> that's one. That's the most recent one. Um, other situations, if you, so my hair's really long. I think it's now almost to my bum. And if you don't tie your hair back at night, you could wake up in the middle of the night and two things would have happened to you. One, it is so hot because your hair has managed to accumulate around your neck 
treated the self love, you know. But I, I, if I were to recommend a hairstyle to any black person with a chronic illness, I would recommend locks, definitely. Mm. Or shave your head. <laughs> hmm. I almost feel that. So I've been tempted a few times. You know, like when we we those of us have stuck with it for such a long time, there's always that temptation to say, "I want to cut my hair. I want to cut my hair. I'm done. I'm. I don't want any of this." But I feel like if I shaved my head, I might be required to actually go and reshape it every two weeks or something if I wanted to make it look a certain way. Like to maintain it, right? Yes. Yeah. So in a way, I still feel that locking your hair is still the most stressless because if you decide not to do anything for six weeks you're good that's the style it looks like how it looks like i would say that it's untidy right mm-hmm. my twin sister would look at me and be like what this is your hair it's normal so i'm just like <laughs> i'm just do me okay right okay thank you so much Tony. this has been another refreshing conversation um a lot of the things we've spoken about have been personal um, I applaud you for being so open about your condition and having people learn about it, and having people understand it, and um, I applaud you as well for going through everything that you've gone through your entire life so bravely. So, thanks for honoring us on the Talking Locks podcast and this new series, Everyday People with Locks. I feel like there's so many words that I have in this podcast, like Talking Locks, Everyday People with Locks, <laughs> with Ade Balogu of Lockitude and Toyo Yoshinawa. Um, this has been a fantastic conversation. So thank you so, so much. And I'm looking forward to seeing you again. Definitely. And thank you. You have no idea how much joy you have brought to my life. Cost-effective joy every month. You have no idea. So you keep doing what you're doing. I'm very proud of you, Annie. Yeah. I'm actually really proud of you. I'm so happy to be of service. Yeah. All right, then. Have thank a great you. one. You too, love. Yeah. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Talking Locks podcast with Lockitude. It has been such a pleasure being your host. And my name is, again, Adi Balogun. And thanks to our producer, Savage Media. Please don't forget to follow us on social media. We are at Lockitude, L-O-C-I-T-U-D-E. And you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Also, for more interesting podcast episodes on everyday people with locks don't forget to subscribe to our podcast we are currently on google stitcher apple and spotify podcast we have exciting episodes lined up and the next one is going to be locks in relation to aging the conversation is going to be interesting and exciting at the same time i did learn a lot from it so i guess what i'm saying is stay tuned And um, don't forget to keep it locked with an attitude. Bye.